Hello and welcome to the CircuitPython weekly meeting for February 1st, 2021. Uh, my name is Scott and I work on CircuitPython for Adafruit. CircuitPython is a beginner-friendly version of Python designed for really low-cost, inexpensive computers called microcontrollers. Uh, they tend to, they can run as low as like $5 for a board with that. Um, this is our, uh, I should say Adafruit is a, is a sponsor of many of us who work on CircuitPython. So if you'd like to support Adafruit, please go to adafruit.com and support them there. Uh, this is our meeting that we run on the Adafruit Discord server. Uh, you can join the Discord server by going to the URL adafru.it slash discord. Uh, we're there all week. And then this this meeting uh, happens normally on Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Discord server. Um, so check that out. Uh, if you would like to speak in the meeting, uh, we welcome folks, but we have set it up so that you need to be a part of the CircuitPythonistas role. Uh, so if you'd like to speak in the meeting and haven't before, uh, just make sure that you have the CircuitPythonistas role. You can ask myself or uh, one of the other moderators to add you to that, um, and that will give you there. Um, like I said, this is on Mondays, but occasionally the meeting does get moved uh, if there is a U.S. holiday on Mondays. So if you want to keep track of that, there is a calendar available that we try to keep updated uh, that you can subscribe to there. Uh, check the notes doc for that. Um, speaking of the notes doc, um, we do record this meeting, uh, both the text channel of CircuitPython and the audio in the voice channel. Uh, so be aware of that going forward. Um, the notes doc has time codes so that you can skip through the meeting. This meeting does tend to run between 60 and 90 minutes, so it can be kind of long. Uh, but I'll take time codes as we go along so that you can skim over what happened in the meeting if you're not able to make it. Uh, the recording gets posted to uh, Adafruit. Adafruit's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Adafruit, and it also gets posted, uh, the audio of that gets posted to podcast feeds as well. So if that's your, if that's your jam, uh, check that out. Um, if you are the voice channel and just uh, listening and don't want to speak up or, any, or anything so that we can skip you, um, let us know that you're lurking like a number of folks already have. And um, also, it, it helps us out to <laughs> helps us out to uh, make sure that in the notes doc you're marked marked as lurking as well. Um, so this is uh, this meeting is held in five parts. Uh, the first is community news. I'll just go over some of the happenings in the CircuitPython, MicroPython, and Python land there. Uh, the second part is the state of CircuitPython libraries in Blinka. This is like an objective overview of the health of the project and kind of its subparts. Uh, meant to really ground us in, in some numbers uh, rather than just our feelings. Uh, the third part is hug reports. This is the first of two round robin sections. Um, hug reports is a chance for us to say thank you to the folks in our community for doing some awesome work. Um, and as I said, it's a round robin, so I will start and we'll go through the folks in the notes doc with mixing in the folks in the voice channel as well. Um, so it's kind of like alphabetical by your username on Discord. Um, and again, if you're just listening in uh, and don't want me to call on you, just say you're lurking and I'll skip over you. Uh, the fourth part is status updates. Status updates is another round robin where we this time talk about what we've been working on in the past week and what we plan on working on in the coming week. Um, this is a great way for us to share tips and tricks and get an idea of what everyone's working on uh, and co collaborate potentially as well. Uh, lastly, we have the fifth part, which is in the weeds. 
in the weeds is kind of a free-for-all. Uh, if you have questions or topics or discussions that we need to have, this is the place to do it. It happens at the end. Um, so we can go uh, as deep and long as we as we need to to get something sorted out. Uh, if you have a topic for In the Weeds, please uh, open up the notes doc and add it to the list at the bottom of the doc under the In the Weeds section. Uh, make sure to put your username and basically what we'll do is, is, do is we'll just go down through that list. I'll call on folks and then you can introduce the topic that you wanted to talk about. We'll do that uh, as long as we need. And with that, um, let me switch over to community news. I'll take a time code here first. Um, first in the community news section, uh, this is kind of a preview of the CircuitPython newsletter that goes out every Tuesday morning. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit at the end. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, the Linux Conf Australia 2021 online keynote uh, titled The Story Behind Blinka by Lamore Freed. Uh, was posted yesterday, so uh, check that out on YouTube. Um, <laughs> uh, Lamore, uh, it says, Lamore Freed, founder of Adafruit, gave a, gave a keynote talk on the story behind Blinka discussing CircuitPython at LinuxConf Australia 2021. And the video is now available. I'm going to watch that later. I'm very excited. Uh, next up, um, for those of you who are curious of what the Raspberry Pi RP2040 chip looks like inside, uh, there somebody just posted die shots of it. Die shots are uh, like microscope pictures that have been taken after uh, certain layers of the chip have been removed. Um, it says there's an informative thread on Twitter, starting with x-rays of the new Raspberry Pi Pico board and subsequently going layer by layer through the board's RP2040 chip. The die shots are both beautiful and informative in understanding this new chip. The thread indicates the chip is made at, in the 40 nanometer process at the TSMC fab, which TSMC is used by a lot of folks. So if you're ever curious what a chip's, how a chip is actually structured, um, that's a really good place to start. Uh, next up, uh, we have over 27,000 accounts on Discord now on the Adafruit Discord server. Uh, the Adafruit Discord community, where we do all our CircuitPython development in the open, reached over 27,000 humans. Thank you. Uh, Adafruit believes Discord offers a unique way for CircuitPython folks to connect. Join today by going to the URL adafru.it slash Discord. Um, <laughs> next. Um, PIP updates. PIP is the package installer for Python. PIP installs packages from the Python package index. Uh, a late January update introduced two important changes. Support for Python 2 has been removed, and also support for Python 3.5 has been removed as well. Uh, check out the pip.pypa.io uh, for news on that. And lastly, a reminder that the CircuitPython Weekly Newsletter is a CircuitPython community-run newsletter emailed every Tuesday. The complete archives are available at adafruitdaily.com slash category slash CircuitPython. It highlights the latest Python on hardware-related news from around the web, including CircuitPython, Python, and MicroPython developments. Uh, to contribute your own news or projects, uh, edit next week's news draft at the github.com slash adafruit slash CircuitPython dash weekly dash newsletter uh, in the drafts folder there. Um, you can submit a pull request with the changes. Uh, if that's a bit too daunting for you, please tag at an underscore engineer on Twitter or email anb at adafruit.com. That's A-N-N-E 
uh, underscore engineer and A-N-N-E-B at Adafruit.com. And thanks to Anne for putting the newsletter together uh, this week and every week. Okay, next up. Uh, State of CircuitPython Libraries in Blinka. This is a chance for us to take a, an objective view of the health of CircuitPython uh, broadly. Um, so I will start overall, and then we'll go into the individual pieces. So overall, uh, we had 48 pull requests merged from 29 different authors. So thank you to all of our authors. It's awesome to see so many folks involved. Um, I'll just skim here and see if I... The names I don't recognize are MW46D, R. Pavlik, Rodrigo, Argomedo, um, Luxarf, Adam Leishan, R.S. Bone, uh, Luminous Owl, K. Schmelzer, might have been last week, K. Schmelzer, J. Forsian, Blue Squall, M. Grant, uh, Netroy, X. Orbit. So thank you all to those new authors that I don't recognize. Uh, we had 12 reviewers, so thank you to all 12 of those reviewers for making those pull requests happen. Uh, as always, we're looking for reviewers because reviewer, the more reviewers we have, the more pull requests we can review. Um, so if you want to get started help, uh, and help reviewing, let us know. We'd love to help you uh, get going doing reviews. Uh, last up, issue-wise overalls, we had 29 closed issues by 12 people. And 31 open by 24 people. So we're seeing a lot of activity. We're uh, net one open, one more open. Uh, but that's okay. We're, we're definitely in the ballpark. So we're keeping up. And uh, so keep that up, everyone. That's awesome news. All right. I think I'm cruising. Um, for the core, uh, we had seven pull requests merged from five different authors. Uh, Netroy and Xorbit are new... Uh, in that group. And we have four reviewers, so thank you to our reviewers. Uh, we currently have, as, as when these stats were pulled, 17 open pull requests. Um, and it does look like uh, a bulk of those, let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight that are less than 10 days old. So we're kind of about half and half. Uh, we should definitely take a look at those older PRs and make sure that uh, that they're being progressed and if they're not we can either close them or we can merge them if they're ready um issue wise we had five closed issues by three people and 11 open by 10 people for 396 open issues uh we do tend to be growing a little bit on our issues on the core um the way that we keep track of the whether we need to look at them is with milestones um we have let's see Three issues not assigned to milestone, so again we're pretty good, and uh, we have a number of long-term. A lot of those are either long-term or support issues, so I think generally we're doing pretty good. We have our next stable release will be six two zero, and uh, we have eight open issues with that milestone right now. Um, so so we'll have to take a look at that, and uh, overall we're making good progress. We've gotten an an influx of folks uh, with the Pico launch, the, the RP2040 board from Raspberry Pi. Um, so we were finding issues with that, and we're, we're trying to rapidly add, uh, add, more, add more features. And then the ESP32-S2 is also being worked on still because that is still very much a popular board. So 
uh, 6-2 looks to be really good. Uh, it's not imminent. We're still doing betas, uh, but that should be a, a pretty solid release. And with that, uh, let's kick it over to Katni for libraries. Thanks, Scott. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, all of the Adafruit CircuitPython libraries, plus a few extras. Uh, so all the libraries that begin with Adafruit underscore CircuitPython underscore, um, as well as the community bundle, and um, I think a couple other things as well sometimes pop up in this, in this particular set of statistics. Um, so we had 37 pull requests merged, uh, which is excellent, um, especially because we did not do a CI sweep. So this is actually um, active uh, other contribution type pull requests uh, from 21 authors, which is amazing. Uh, I see most of the names that you read off earlier. Uh, so thank you to all of our new um, contributors as well. And 10 reviewers. Um, in terms of the merged pull request, the oldest one was 22 days old, and the newest one was zero or one days old. Um, so it's good that we're keeping up because there's a lot of these that are uh, were only open for um, zero or one days, um, and then a few of them that we're picking up that are older, uh, which is good that we're keeping up with that, leaving us with uh, 47 open pull requests across all the libraries. We had 23 closed issues by 11 people and 17 opened by 16 people, leaving us with 279 open issues. Um, if you're interested in contributing to CircuitPython on the Python side, uh, consider going to circuitpython.org contributing. You'll find all of this information and more, um, all the open pull requests, all of the open issues, and a list of library infrastructure issues, as well as how to contribute to translating uh, the CircuitPython core. Um, so you can search the issues list by label. So if you are interested, um, if, you, if, you're, if you're new to everything and you're interested in contributing, a good first issue is a good, uh, good thing to search for. We have eight of those available at the moment. Um, if you're looking for something more complicated, bug or enhancement is uh, two labels that you might want to search for. Um, we have a guide on contributing to CircuitPython with Git and GitHub, so don't let that intimidate you. And we are always available to answer questions on Discord. Um, we want you to be able to contribute, so we want to make sure that we can do what we can to help you do that. Uh, so consider taking a look at that, and um, you, that's how you can contribute to CircuitPython on the Python side of things. Uh, in terms of library updates in the last seven days, we had two new libraries, AW9523 and DateTime, um, and a number of updated libraries, uh, which I will not read off, although I will say that we did have an update to Community Bundle, which is always great to see. Um, and that's where we are with the libraries. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right, next up, we will kick it over to maker Melissa for an update on Blinka. Hello, Blinka is our CircuitPython compatibility layer for Raspberry Pi and other single board computers. And it also is supposed to work with MicroPython, uh, though I haven't heard anyone actually using it. Uh, there are four pull, this last week we had four pull requests merged by four authors and three reviewers, which is quite good. Uh, there were three open pull requests. Uh, remaining, and there were one closed issue by one person and, and three open by three people, leaving a net of 50 open issues. Uh, there were 1,243 PyPI downloads in the last week, and we are supporting 67 boards, and that's it. 
Thank you, Melissa. All right, next up we have Hug Reports. Hug Reports is a chance for us all to say thank you to folks for the work they've, they've been doing in the community. Uh, this is good for two reasons. One, it's great to just recognize what folks are doing uh, and, and thank them for it. But also, uh, by doing it publicly, we uh, also uh, reinforce to each other what we value as a community. So uh, that's really good. Uh, again, uh, we do this as a round robin, so I will start and go down the list. If you are lurking, meaning you don't want to have anything to say, don't want to unmute, uh, that's totally fine. Just let us know you're lurking. Um, and also double check that in the notes doc, it has you marked as lurking as well. Uh, that's what I'll go off of. Um, if you do have something to say, but you don't want to say it, uh, you're welcome to put notes in the notes doc, and I'll read those off on your behalf. Um, and that is true even if you're unable to make the meeting as well. So if you're listening to this after the fact and would like to do some hog reports, uh, we're not leaving you out. Just uh, check the pinned messages in the CircuitPython channel for the notes doc for the next week, and feel free to drop them there, uh, and we'll read those off. Okay, so I'll, I will start, um, and then we'll go down the list. So uh, first and foremost, I wanted to say a huge hug report to DCD, uh, David, for taking notes and time codes during my streams. Um, these last two have been particularly busy with all the RP2040 uh, chatter, so uh, having the notes that DCD's uh, been taking has been really helpful. Um, second, a uh, hug report to Kilogram, who is Graham from the Raspberry Pi. Uh, for emailing me some tips about the RP2040 after watching my stream. So it's cool to see that. Uh, hug report to Mark Gambler and Dave P for helping with the RP2040. And I should say MicroDev as well in that list. Um, and then finally, uh, hug report to Lady Ada and Katie Bell for their Linux Conf Australia talks. Um, Katie, Dan just got Katie on my radar, uh, so thanks to Dan as well. Katie is doing some exploratory uh, code editor design, which is really, really cool, and a lot of what I was thinking about with the uh, Glider app stuff. So I, I encourage everybody to, I'll post this link, uh, to watch this. I, I watched it last night. It's very, very intriguing, um, and Katie's doing a lot of thinking on that, so it's really awesome. And with that, let's go to TG Techie. Hello, everyone. Hello. Um, so I have four hugs. First is for Kenny for taking time out of her week to discuss documentation. It was incredibly helpful um, and just very fun in general. Um, and the docs of that should be up soon. To Foamy Guy for sending some streaming tips um, for live streaming. I wasn't able to implement all of them, but uh, they're very appreciated. To Mango, um, who helped run the live stream, uh, doing OBS magic, or, or whatever the dark secrets one has to use for that. Um, and to anyone who tuned into my live stream this week uh, for putting up with the poor audio and visual quality, I promise the next one will be better. Awesome. Thank you, CG Techie, and congrats on starting the stream. Thank you. All right, next up, we have notes from Brent. Brent says, a hug report to Maker Melissa for testing the ESP32-S2 Mini MQTT. Hug report to HireEffect for the ESP32-S2 socket fixes. And a hug report to Stargirl for an awesome embedded.fm interview. Learned uh, a lot about synths, I believe is what Brent meant. 
Um, and definitely check that out if you haven't listened to that Embedded FM. Um, I recommend it as well. Um, next up, we have a group hug from Charles Bruniford, and we'll go to Dan. I just want to give a group hug, selective group hug, I guess. Uh, everybody who's trying out the betas and testing things that has changed, uh, Jerry in particular, and many other people who've tried your RP2040 port and have uh, filed issues or brought things up in Discord. It's very helpful. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Okay, next up we have notes from David Gloud, who says, uh, hug report to Katni for the code for the Pico guide, and hug report to myself, Tan Newt, for the Pico stream and development. And next up we have Foamy Guy. Alrighty, uh, this week a couple hugs to Paint Your Dragon and Jeff for working on RGB matrices uh, inside the Protomatter library to be able to chain those um, vertically and uh, up to four. Um, that's some really neat stuff going on there. So really appreciate uh, both of their work on that. To GitHub user uh, Podesta20202 um, has done some reviews on a couple of my PRs the last few weeks. Um, to Neurodoc, uh, for uh, always has been given a bunch of great help in Discord. I've seen them in the Help With channel for a while now um, and just joined the CircuitPython helpers. So uh, hug there. And couple more to uh, TG Techie for the interesting stream over the weekend on the on their GUI framework. I enjoyed that. And then lastly, to Kmatch, um, Kmatch98 wrote uh, really nice proposals out for the new layouts library and some really sweet graphics to go along with it that illustrate uh, really well how some of the different uh, mechanics inside their work. So huge thanks there. Awesome. Thank you, Foamy Guy. All right, next up is Higher Effect. Uh, this past week, um, thanks a bunch to uh, Anik Data and Jerry Nito for helping to identify some problems in Socket. Um, thank you to Dan for helping to uh, identify a weird little um, hash issue that we were encountering inside Socket and requests. Uh, and thanks to you, Scott, for reviewing the SSL Socket PR. Mm -hmm. And I have to do that again. <laughs> Yes, it's on my it's on my radar. Uh, all right, and I'll read off uh, Jeff note Jeff's notes, who says uh, group hug and a hug report to ask Patrick W for big circup improvements. Yeah, totally. Um, all right, next up is Jerry. Hello. Um, <clears throat> see, thanks to uh, Ashton Layton Nation for a PR I put in to add the signal noise ratio to the RFM 9X. Uh, Scott, uh, for helping helping uh, everybody, including me, getting started with PIO on the RP40. And 2BIND5 for a bunch of new updates to the NRF 2401 library. And everybody who's done all such a good job on documenting display I.O. Working my way through it. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks, Jerry. All right. Next up, we have Katni. All right. I have a bunch of hugs today. Um, so I have one for TG Techie for a lovely conversation about documentation projects and more. Uh, to Foamy Guy for getting a PR into the new Display.io layout library and replying on the suggestions issue I filed. To Naradoc for joining the CircuitPython helpers on Discord. They were already super helpful and um, made a great candidate and... Uh, when I proposed it to them, they accepted. So they joined today. 
um, to Jeff Epler for being my first sponsor on GitHub, to Scott, uh, Thea, Mr. Certainly, and Crayola for sponsoring me on GitHub, and my friend Craig and Crayola for helping me with getting a website going using Pelican, which runs on Python, um, and theming it, which involves Jinja templates. Um, the Python part makes a bit of sense, but the Jinja templates were pretty much brand new to me. So um, thank you so much for their help there. Awesome. Thank you, Katni, and congrats on the, all those sponsors. All right, next up, uh, we have text from Kevin Thomas. Uh, Kevin says, Hug Report to Foamy Guy for taking the time to make a detailed video to, to create stubs for CircuitPython within the Power uh, PyCharm editor and group hugs. And next up, we have KMatch98. Yeah, thanks. Uh, first hug to Foamy Guy, TG Techie, Maker Melissa for feedback on the widget design, particularly class structure, which is my homework to understand this week. Uh, second, Katni and Foamy Guy for starting a new library called Display IO Layout, uh, where some of these widgets may reside. Uh, third, for David Glauda for his 2021 uh, CircuitPython vision for the future and what it means for computing. Uh, and then finally, Jepler and Foamy Guy for some continued improvements on text labels. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, KMatch. And last up, we have Maker Melissa. Hello. Uh, I wanted to give a hug to Foamy Guy, KMatch98, and TG Techie for the great discussion on common control interface. And uh, Brent for your work on Mini MQGT and that's it. Thanks, Melissa. All right, next up we have uh, status updates. We do this as a round robin as well. Um, this time we want to hear a little bit about what you've been working on and what you plan on working on in the coming week. Um, and again, if you uh, don't have anything to say, uh, feel free to just say you're lurking. If you have uh, text you'd like me to read off, feel free to drop those in the notes doc. Uh, and again, that's true, even if you're unable to make the, make the meeting. Uh, and with that, I will scroll down to myself and start. Um, first thing I've got going on today is I'm upgrading my computer. Yay! I finally got uh, a new CPU and I get to go pick it up today. Uh, so I will be updating uh, this afternoon. So I'll probably be online via my laptop, but uh, I don't plan on getting any code done today. Hopefully I'll get everything set up by the end of the day and be able to pick pick up uh, on stuff tomorrow. Uh, what, what I'm doing right now is I'm working on audio code um, on the RP2040. Um, I need to regroup on it a little bit and get it going. Uh, I wrote a lot of code, but that code is kind of like not tested or compiled yet. Um, so I need to Need to do that, um, and that's kind of where I'm at. I'm hoping to do both audio PWM and I2S outputs. Um, a lot of the that is shared uh, in terms of like how to convert the buffers and how to get it out. Um, and then uh, let's see, I might do PDMN. We'll see. And then uh, I also wanted to just say for those of you who've been liking the RP2040, uh, Graham, uh, who works for Raspberry Pi. Uh, email me yesterday or this weekend just to point out that there is an interpolator on the RP2040, uh, which is actually could be very useful for the sample conversion to the output formats. Um, so if you're looking, want to look at some neat things that the RP2040 can do, I suggest looking at the interpolator. Um, I didn't quite 
keep track of where it was, but if you're looking for it, it's in the SIO peripheral. Um, so in the data sheet, it's under the like the system description SIO section, um, which is pretty neat. You can basically set it up to say like, when I give you a number, do this math, like this shift, this mask, and this addition all on it in one in a single cycle, which is pretty pretty dang interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm hoping to use that with the audio stuff that I'm doing. Uh, and that's yeah, that's I'm in Audio Land right now. Uh, next up, let's kick it over to TG Techie. If I remember correctly, you've mentioned wanting to upgrade your computer on a couple of streams. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. So last week, uh, I guess I already mentioned it, but I, yesterday, uh, live streamed using the graphics framework I've been working on for years at this point <laughs> um, <laughs> to make a little RGB color mixer. Uh, and it took about half the time I was expecting it to, which I guess is a good thing. Um, um, in non-live stream stuff, I, uh, I started on documentation for the library. Um, got a sorta glitchy app launcher working for my um, watch project at One Circuit Python. Um, asked me questions that I think are better put down in the weeds, um, and. That's most of what I did last week. Uh, some small stuff like case revisions and chassis changes on the watch. Next week, I'd like to, by then, finish the first guide and docs. Not everything, but the first textual version of docs. Um, make a PR to get started on converting the display I.O. shapes library to a more RAM conservative rectangle um, widget or layer, I guess I should call it. Mm -hmm. um, Start on a universal CircuitPython driver for the graphical framework. Because uh, right now you have, there's just one hard-coded for the watch and one hard-coded for the pipe portal. Um, and I want to try out KMatch98's toggle widget, which looks really cool. And that that's it. Awesome. Thank you, TG Techie. And I put you, I think that first in the weeds is from you. So I just uh, double check. Oh, that yes, it is. Too. Sorry. No worries. I'll... Uh, all right, next up, I have notes from Brent. Brent says the CircuitPython datetime library is released. It is a subset of the CPython datetime library. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is really uh, makes it a whole lot easier to do computations between dates and stuff. Uh, so if you're doing that, uh, check it out. The, the time stuff that was in CircuitPython already is like super limited. Uh, Brent also updated mini MQTT for the ESP32 SPI and ESP32 S2 C Python and C Python compatibility, uh, releasing it that this week. Uh, he is back to school, which means less time to work on CircuitPython, but I'll be around and helping in any capacity I can. And with that, let's go to Dan. Okay, uh, last, I think it was on Wednesday. I released 6.2.0 beta.1, um, only five days after beta.0. Uh, we're still having lots of stuff coming through, so we'll probably have another beta quite soon with more fixes of various kinds, fixes and additions. And there's been a lot of um, reviewing and troubleshooting to do uh, on Discord and in, in GitHub, so I've been doing a lot of that. New issues come up, and then we have to fix them. 
um, as um, Lucian mentioned, uh, there was this really confusing bug having to do with uh, objects kind of disappearing out from under you or something in the sockets library. And um, we figured out that it had to do with hashes uh, not being um, immutable, which they have to be. So that's going to get fixed. And uh, meanwhile, I've been working, starting to work on the secondary CDC channel implementation, which will be a byte stream oriented thing that you can talk to over. Um, it'll be in addition to the REPL. And so it doesn't interfere with the REPL. So you can have a program on a host computer, uh, exchange data with the board, and it'll have a, a channel exclusively dedicated to that, like using a whole, like using a USB to serial converter or something like that. So I'm working on that. Okay. Yeah, so for for folks who don't know, the CDC is the term that's used on USB side, but it's basically a serial line. So it's just like, think of it as a UART, but over USB. Um, CDC is like the, the particular protocol that is spoken over over the USB connection. Yeah, it's, it's actually ridiculously complicated for what it is. Yeah, um, it has like um, origins and like, modems i think right modems and there are other cdc's that could be like any other kind of serial communication yeah so it's very odd yeah it's weird but yeah it's basically you are <laughs> um okay next up we have notes from david glaub who says for pio pico rp2040 killing my first pico either doa or it's my soldering uh testing traditional neopixel and pio neopixel in the pico uh, and also trying to implement uh, Blink or similar in PIO. Um, note that NeoPixel write on the Pico is implemented with the PIO. So if you're comparing the two, you might not see a lot of difference. Non-CircuitPython related, uh, David's been playing a lot of Shenzhen IO, which is a, uh, a game I mentioned on my stream because it involves programming very basic microcontrollery sorts of things. All right, next up we have Foamy Guy. All right, thanks, Scott. Uh, last week, I moved in a couple of enhancements that Jeff made into the display text library. One was using the ascent and descent, uh, I guess, configuration properties from inside the fonts, using those for the bitmap label specifically. And then the other one was bringing in a function that wraps text uh, onto multiple lines. But this one is based on the number of pixels instead of the number of characters, which is really nice. Um, I created the kind of like cookie cutter initial code and got the initial layout, the grid layout put into the layouts library last week. And then I also made a video uh, that covers the process of making the stubs and then how to import them into PyCharm, at least until we can hopefully figure out how to package them, which I still intend to try to figure out some more. I haven't done yet. Um, this next week, I would like to uh, finish up some code and get a PR ready for a, a new label, a statically sized label. Um, so it, you'll give it a size and then it will stay at that size and try to contain the text that you give it, uh, unlike the current one, which you kind of like give it text and it grows to fit. Um, and this will be really nice uh, because that new wrapping function is going to help it out and it will fit together with the grid layout that is in the layouts library. Um, to help you make really neat layouts without having to work very hard, hopefully. And then lastly, uh, I need to follow up and uh, see the feedback and then make whatever changes are there uh, for the initial code that is in that layouts library. I saw there's, I think, Katni or somebody reviewed that. So I'm going to check that out 
um, this week to push that along as well. And that's it for me. Awesome. Thank you, Family Guy. Okay, next up is Hierofact. All righty. This past week, uh, I dug into some problems with the requests a library, or rather the connection between the request library and the socket module, um, which uh, turned out to be all over the place. There were like four different overlapping issues that were all different. Um, so uh, it took a little while to, to ease them all out, but um, we got them. Uh, thanks again, Dan, for helping me pin down the, the hash-related issue, which I didn't know what the heck that was because um, I'm a little bit less experienced on the Python and still. Um, but uh, I also figured, fixed out a issue in socket related to timeouts, and we pushed that up in terms of uh, it's being mer it was it's been merged already as opposed to the SSL socket, which is still in the review process. Um, I got set up for low power. Uh, I got my new monsoon power monitor, uh, which should help out with um, uh, fixing some some older stuff with the ESP32 and any other low power issues. Uh, and I got to try out the software for that, and so that's all set up. And uh, I fixed some ongoing issues with the SSL socket PR, which is still in the review stages and has needed a little bit of upkeep every step of the way as it gets interrupted by merges and that kind of thing. Um, this week, I'll be taking a break from socket, finally, to fix uh, an old STM32 I2C issue, which has been on my to-do list for much too long for how serious of an issue it is. Um, and uh, I'll be checking out some, uh, just checking out the ice, the low power issues list, seeing if there's anything that I can help out on now that I have my equipment set up. Um, I might go back and visit this, revisit a couple of socket functions anyway, just because they're low hanging fruit, like uh, get FD. Um, and uh, and uh, maybe get socket address or something like that. Um, and then uh, I'm gonna, in my personal time, I, I'm gonna be checking out some ESP32 now stuff because I need it for one of the things I'm working on. And uh, hopefully I will get some info on um, a potential future CircuitPython implementation of that. And uh, that's it for me. Awesome. Thank you, awesome. Hierofact. Uh, really nice job on all that Saka stuff. I read through it yesterday and I was impressed. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. All right. Next up, we have notes from Hugo, who says, This week, I'm having a go at making a vertical progress bar. I've started working on breaking changes for the Adafruit CircuitPython progress bar to allow for both horizontal and vertical progress bars from the same class. Open to suggestions whether it should be a major version update or a new slash separate library. Uh, part of the changes will include an example for the matrix porter, por portal for both the current version as well as the new one. Um, I would say you're on the right track. Either a major version update or a new library would be would be totally fine. Uh, next up, we have notes from Jeff, who's out this week. Um, Jeff said, last week, upgraded protomatter. Now you can tile your screens. Responded to a number of issues in Adafruit. CircuitPython SD and made my first pull request, I think, to Adafruit Blinka. Uh, this week, taking the week off. Uh, fun stuff, made my first circuit sculpture. All right, and next up is Jerry. Hi, uh, let's see. Uh, okay, where'd you go? Um, so, yes, yeah, so I've been playing around with the uh, RP20 Eco and uh, trying to learn some things about PIO and just realizing how much I've got to learn, but it's all fun. And, um, and I made up my mind that I'm finally going to learn how to use this. I put it off far too long. 
so I've been working through the guides and really impressed with the guides and and actually uh, finding that I actually can make it do things. So, so like a, a long overdue skill. And then uh, just today, actually a little while ago, native bus I native bus device again. So um, I'll bring that up in the weeds if, if that's probably a better place for it. Just, sure. Just, What's the one sentence summary of it? Um, it looks like it breaks I2C for if the um, long int is not enabled. Right. Okay. Well, we can talk about that in a bit. Okay. Um, thanks for finding that. All right. Next up, we have Katni. All right. Um, as a side note, Hugo, uh, I think it should live in that library. You may want to consider making... Um, like a base class and then having the other two inherit from it um, and basically have a package structure in the library instead of a single file um, would be my suggestion. But uh, PR early and often, and we can discuss it in the PR. Um, so last week, I updated the MPR 121 guide for the QT revision. I added better instructions uh, to the getting started with Pico and CircuitPython guide for um, how to get into the bootloader um, because one of our own was having issues with it. Um, so I tested and you can just continue to hold down the button until the bootloader appears. So I updated the uh, instructions to suggest that instead of um, just pressing it. Um, I added the code files for the, so the getting started with CircuitPython, getting started with Pico on CircuitPython guide has a bunch of, um, other content that we are still working on. Um, so I uploaded all the code for that content to the um, learning guide repo on GitHub. Um, I created the Adafruit CircuitPython Display.io layout library, um, verified and merged a Circuit Playground PR that someone put in to add the ability to configure tap. Um, tap can be super finicky so it made a lot of sense and uh it didn't um it still fits with circuit playground express on on all the languages so it's fine um cleaned out some deprecated code from the circuit playground library that was still in there uh from circuit python 5x i think or maybe even 4x i don't remember um but that's gone and started the SpyFlash SD card guide. We have a new board out that is, um, it's SpyFlash, but it's actually an SD card. Uh, it's super nifty, works with the SD card libraries. Um, so you just wire it up and on SPI and then use the SD card library with it. Um, this morning I embedded all the code files from the Learn Repo into the Getting Started with Pico guide, tested the rest of the code from the guide, everything works and um, added Naradoc on Discord to the CircuitPython helpers role, which is excellent. This week, finished up the SpyFlash SD card guide. Basically, it's going to have wiring diagrams for CircuitPython and Arduino, and then link to the SD card guides for each. There's not going to be um, a whole lot of information in that guide because we already wrote guides that cover it. Um, I'm going to be updating the Welcome to CircuitPython guide with two things that I added to the getting started with Pico guide, which is one about the CircuitPython file system use and two, what circuit, what happens when your code is done 
what happened like what does circuit python do when your code is done running um they're two concepts that we covered in the pico guide and they really should be in the welcome guide as well so i'll be adding those and then i'm going to add a page to the CircuitPython Essentials Guide on how to use board um, in terms of import board and then doing dir board to uh, figure out what pins are available to you. And then also how to use help modules from the REPL to figure out what modules are available in CircuitPython. Um, we have new boards coming out with, um, you know, different pin names, then, you know, they're not all D12 and A2 and so on anymore. We've got GP. 15 and, and whatever else. And so we're getting folks wondering, you know, how do I know what's built into CircuitPython for this board? How do I know what's available? How do I know what pins are available? Um, and we don't have a guide page for it, but we will soon. And then um, BSHT40 is an upcoming board, and I'm going to be starting the guide for that as well. On a personal note, uh, my GitHub sponsorship profile is live. Uh, Scott linked that earlier. Um, thank you again to all my sponsors. And I spent the weekend spinning up a website using something called Pelican, which is uh, essentially a site compiler that runs on Python. Um, and I managed to figure out editing a theme, which is starting to look like some something like what I want. Um, it's been a lot of trial and error <laughs> for me. <laughs> in terms of editing it, because um, it uses Jinja templates, which essentially look like HTML, but they've got a lot of extra template-y stuff in them. Um, so it uses CSS and so on, and it's been decades since I used HTML or CSS. So I have a general idea of what's going on, but it, it's all it's all very much different now. Um, so hopefully I'll get that up, and I intend to start trying to post stuff on, you know, documentation, community building, that sort of stuff. Um, but first, I actually need to get the site up. So working on that. And that's where I'm at. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right. Next up, we have KMatch98. Okay. Thanks, Scott. Uh, last week, I finished a PR for a parallel bus on the ESP32-S2. And that supports fast drawing to displays over a parallel connection, which is, I think, uh, only used on the Pi portal right now. But it's a fast way of drawing stuff on the screen. Um, I uh, started a first widget to try and understand what are the common features of that. Uh, so it's a sliding switch that it, you can at least see in the show and tell. I showed a demo of that. Uh, but really, it was guiding me towards what are the standard parameters for widgets. And so I proposed a list there, and that's in the display IO underscore layout library. There's an issue located there. Uh, next uh, is to uh, figure out how to better classify my first widget. Basically drew it as, or wrote it as one big chunk of code, but how best to fit it in something that's more manageable and uh, reusable code with a few new classes that uh, some of the folks proposed. Um, and then last fun stuff, I made a slice form paper torus, which is basically a, a kind of like origami, but a little, not folding, but just uh, installing things uh, or cutting and installing. And didn't realize it was a level five difficulty out of five mm -hmm. until I got into it. But if anybody's interested uh, to learn your Zen and patience, that might be one, one thing you might want to try out. I'll post a link here. Awesome. And that's it. Thanks, KMatch98. All right. Next up, we have maker Melissa. Hello. Um, this last 
Last week, I wrote a guide on using CircuitPython and Home Assistant uh, through the MQGT library. Uh, I converted a couple more of the shell scripts over to Python. I added some dnit code to the external bitbang IO library, and I tested some other pull requests. Uh, this week, I'm going to catch up on some GitHub issues, such as the matrix portal update with the new Serpentine stuff. Uh, test out ESP Home with the ESP32 S2, and hopefully I can get to some Blinky Display I.O. soon. That's it. Awesome. Thank you, Melissa. Uh, next up, we have notes from Mark, who says, uh, oh, place. somebody else's cursor is there. Uh, Mark is working on adding bus support to the RP2040. Uh, waiting on a display to arrive Tuesday to test it. And that's it. Thank you, everybody, for uh, doing status updates. Uh, next up, we have In the Weeds. Uh, in the Weeds is a section where we uh, take a time code first, and then we talk. Um, in the Weeds is a section where we have more freeform discussion about anything that's come up uh, that we want to have a longer uh, discussion about. Um, so if you have topics, we do have a couple um, listed already. So there's a chance uh, time for you to add them to the doc there. Um, if you are unable to make the meeting and do have topics you'd like to hear discussed, this is a good place to do it. Um, so with that, let me take a time code and I'll hand it over to TG Techie for the first topic. Okay, uh, so this is maybe a thing that should turn into PR, but I figured I'd bring it up. I noticed that, um, okay, so for the watch project, I'm very limited on RAM. So when trying to switch between apps, um, you have to take whatever you were previously working on and uh, take it out of memory. And in Python, it's hard to, but you can do it. However, I was noticing not all of the app memories being um, free. And I think that's because the compiled version of the source code for the files that are imported are not being freed when the object that represents the module is. Um, I was curious if that is in intentional or just because it's not an expected use case and there's no mechanism for freeing compiled files or it's a bug. So I don't think it's the compiled bytecode. I suspect that, that that is actually being freed um, because functions as they're imported are saved as separate things. Um, generally, unloading modules is not something we support. Um, my guess as to why it's not freeing everything is actually the strings. So um, all of the names of all of the func variables in your functions, for example, will be interned, quote unquote, interned into the QString tables. Um, basically, they, they get saved into some separate tables and then they're referenced based on the index into that table. Uh, and that's, I, I suspect, is not, that's not, that's the bit that's not being freed is like the growth of the QString tables that are caused by an import. Um, what I would say is you should really look at, there's a pending PR that needs to be like, needs, somebody needs to pick it up and finish it, um, that Christian started, um, that allows you to just say like next time run this file and restart. Um, 
And I think that's a much better way to switch between apps because that means the apps will start independently of one another. Um, I don't know the PR number off the top of my head, but that's really, I think, the direction that you want to go. Uh, do you have a keyword or two or milestone besides enhancement? I mean, it's look at pull requests. It's uh, okay. 3454. Let me copy the link. Like, this is really, I think, what you need. And, and Christian was working on it for the um, Radimir's handheld game thingy, micro game. So, like, it's a way, it was designed to be able to, like, switch different games in a gaming handheld. Um, sure. So I think it's doing, you know, pretty much what you want as well. And, and the way that Christian set it up is, like, you can set, like, oh, if this file errors, do run this other thing next or, like, have different behavior based on, like, how it exits, um, which I think yeah. could be could be handy. Thank you. Um, I'll take a look. There's a – Christian also has a pending PR that uh, saves the exception output. So if an exception does happen, uh, it will actually save the string uh, of the traceback so that, like, the next thing that runs can actually, like, do something with it. Uh, which is probably handy too. An another another orthogonal thing that could be possibilities that you know you know about sleep memory, which is an area of RAM that's preserved across resets, across sleeps, and so if there were something like that um, for um, not even with respect to sleeping, if there was just some persistent storage that you could that what didn't get lost with after a reset then um and that wasn't flash because you 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 you'd burn it out then um that could also be used to change state mm. so that's another possibility but i think the you know which code.py which .py to run is, is sort of a more straightforward way but the other way could also be a way of, of remembering some state across resets right so you would you would say, oh, like, here's what I want to do next, and then reset the VM, and then the first thing you do next is you re read that to see if you're doing something else. One last question. Mm -hmm. So um, the names of things are passed by indexes. Does that mean the compiled files don't have those indexes ahead of time? Right, or or the the MPY files, they have the string and they have an index, but when they're imported, the indexes get changed to like the global index. Um, yeah, there's no patching, patching the uh, the byte pre assembled on the end. Oh, patching the byte code. I think so. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so Thank so you. the reason that th there's all this mechanics about QString and the goal is to only import a string once or only keep one copy of a string. Um and then what you can do is because it's a not not a pointer, it means that you can actually point it or you can actually store it in in a pointer. Um which means that like if you have a QString in a dictionary, you don't actually need a separate object. You just, it says I'm QString such and such, and then it can look it up. Oh, that is neat. Yeah, if you want, 
the the pointer packing stuff is really bizarre um like micropython does it for small numbers as well so like if your number is like less than 30 bits it will just it, it abuses the pointer to save it uh in the pointer value itself um, which that's really neat generally works pretty well but it's kind of confusing sometimes okay um is that it did you get that's it for me awesome thank you mm -hmm. all right let's go to jerry okay so this is a good example of stumbling across something because the question came up in, in discord somebody asked a question about hollowing and trying to do something with it so i dug mine out and decided to update it and and uh and, and answer the question it had to do with, with rebooting it his reset button it turns out but um well i had it I figured oh gee i'll try some of the basic stuff on it after i updated it make sure it worked and lo and behold i went to just read the onboard uh accelerometer the list 3dh and it gave me um an error which said uh small int overflow when it was trying to um instantiate the um i2c bus it you know was not hadn't even gotten into the really into the code it just failed when it, when it tried to initialize the bus so I thought about it a little bit and reported it as an error in the list li or an issue in the list library. And then um, actually uh, Lady Ada suggested digging into it a little bit. So I dug a little more and tried it on, another, on a cutie pie to work fine. So I sort of then thought, well, gee, maybe, maybe it has something to do with the fact that, that, that uh, the long integer, that's the one difference is the long integers are disabled in the... Um, in that library. So first thing I tried was building it with the long integers enabled. Mm -hmm. um, and and that worked, but it ran out of flash. So I had to take something else out. Right. So I thought, oh, at least I'm onto something here. And then I thought, well, why is that new? And I looked looked around and you know the long integer stuff was done about six months ago. But then it sort of thought, oh, something has done, been done more recently is the switch over and native bus device. So I decided to just try taking that out and lo and behold, the problem went away. So, and then I haven't, I've started looking into the bus device code, but I, you know, I'm not that familiar with it, but uh, there is some stuff in there that's potentially using some 64-bit integers to pass the result of the bus device back. So hmm. maybe that's a new change that wasn't done in the library. Right. I am actually here now. Uh, there is a few cases where it calls MP object new int from ULL. Yep. And I wonder if something with that doesn't work. Yeah, I imagine but if I'm... the number is larger than 30 bits, then it would throw this exception. I haven't looked at the long int support, though, so I'm not quite sure how it might affect it. Um, yeah. I can I try disabling to... it from my build. And I should probably be able to see where it's crashing. Okay. Yeah. So I, I assume this will affect you know, any of the boards that don't have the uh, long int enabled, but uh, I only tried it on the Halloween. The older Halloween? Which one? The, the M0 Halloween okay. has that has that explicitly turned off. And so, so do a lot of the small boards. Right. But yeah, I can poke at that. It shouldn't be too hard to disable them. What's that? I was just going to say it shouldn't be too hard for me just to build, make a build with it disabled and test it. 
Yep. Okay. I mean, why do yeah. we, like why do we why are we getting a number that's higher than that? Yeah. Probably because I just used the convert or make an object from a a long because it was just taking whatever um, input from the Python level. In other words, it's probably I'm, me not knowing better. Okay. I wonder. I wonder if the make the object function is smart enough to be like, is the number low enough that I could actually do it? Or, or it's just blanket. Like if you call this, when this is off, then it throws this regardless. Yeah. That's my, that's what I'm suspecting. Yeah. Uh, so if you do want to try to debug this with the debugger, the approach that I would take is find where this exception is thrown and just put an ASM breakpoint in it. Um, although I don't think that works with, ASM breakpoint doesn't work with Sandy 21s. I think that's a Cortex M4 thing. Um, you can yeah, also... I can all. I can also just try hard coding a device address in, and so instead of using the convert, I can just. Uh, I got an idea. Yeah, there's also MP obs new small int or something if you know that the number is lower. Yeah, and for a device address, I might be able to just convert it to that because those can only be one byte yeah yeah the max number you're gonna get on i squared c is there's actually like a what a 10 bit addressing mode as well uh, as as seven but i think we only ever use the seven bit addressing um so yeah that sounds good i i don't think it'll be that difficult to i'm staring at the function i think is doing it right now so <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll just need time later to okay. look at it. Oh, well, sorry about that. Thanks, though. <laughs> no, it's my fault. <laughs> Mark, I'll assign it to you. And if we could, if you can't, if you don't have time to look this week, let me know and we'll do that. I think this would be good to just get in the next beta. Yeah, I should have time in the next couple nights. Okay. Yeah, I, I know. I don't want to. I don't want to impose stuff. on you, but um, no, totally get just it. Just let me know if you don't have the have the cycles, and we'll pick it up. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing that. Uh, the other thing I'm aware of is the SD card library doesn't work with the native spy device um, because it doesn't have the dot spy property, which SD card uses so that it can clock the card without setting the chip select high. Um, and so I'm just going to add it. It, it. I should be able to just knock it out today. Um, but basically just adding an accessor that lets you get the underlying spy object. Uh, back. All right. I'm excited to, to get that all checked in. I think people will like it. Uh, okay. And that's been the CircuitPython Weekly for February 1st, uh, 2021. Thank you all for taking the time out of your schedules to uh, join this community and chat with us about what you're working on and uh, all of the CircuitPython-y things. Um, I just want to like reiterate that a, a number of us, not everyone, but a number of us are supported by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython, uh, some of us full-time, so please support them by purchasing from the Adafruit shop at adafruit.com. This meeting has been recorded, so it will be posted shortly on YouTube at youtube.com slash Adafruit, and then we uh, strip the audio out of that and push it to podcast services as well. Uh, so check that out. Um, we gave a preview of uh, the contents of the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter. So if you want to subscribe to that, you can go to adafruitdaily.com. That goes out every Tuesday morning. 
Um, the next meeting, I think, is... Let me double-check my schedule. Uh, next week's meeting is next week at uh, the same time, Monday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern. The week after, so two weeks from now, it will be different, so beware of that. Um, so yeah, next week normal, uh, the week after will be on Tuesday instead of Monday. Um, this meeting is held on the Adafruit Discord server, which you can go join by going to the URL adafru.it slash discord. Um, if you want to participate, speak up, uh, you'll need to be a circuit Pythonista, so ask us to add that role to you. And with that, uh, thank you all. We'll see you in the discords this week, and then we'll see you in the meeting next week. Uh, have a great week, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. See you later, folks.